what you uh what you sipping on there man i always like to see what what dudes are drinking throughout the day <clears throat> so i actually just started a part-time job at dick's and they sell these in their uh in their little fridges and i had my first one and i was like damn those are bomb so i um figured out like where they sell them which is at like gnc and they're really healthy for you so i, I used to drink monsters all the time but i think these are a little better than those what is it? I'm guilty of drinking monsters as well. I've gotten into the Celsius game lately, but what's that? I'm open to new stuff. Uh, these are called Alani's. Okay. And um, they have like, like you know, like the popsicles you'd eat when you're a kid, or like blue, white, red. They have yeah, that. Yeah. Burger, the rocket no pop burger bomb, and then they have like this one, it's like a cotton candy. It's yeah. like real good. I'm going to definitely need the bomb pop flavored one. Cause that is literally, that's my favorite drink from, from childhood yeah. or, or favorite popsicle rather. I don't know why I said drink. I think yeah. they, uh, I think they sell them at giant Eagle too. Nice. I'm going to have to track those down. Maybe we need to get Alani to sponsor two, four, seven, and then we can get these drinks everywhere. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Sorry. I even mentioned them. no free shout outs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There you go. Alani. That, there's what you yeah. get for free. You got to talk to us if you want more. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. I noticed the shirt too. Kill switch engage. I didn't realize you were a metal fan, man. What's up? Yeah, What's up? Huge metal fan. I've actually seen them like four times live. So are they tops for you? Top top band? Yeah, they're probably my favorite band. Like ever since yeah. the uh, ever since the the um Alive or just breathing album and they were like brand new. That was they they've been my favorite band since I was probably in like middle school. Dude. I mean, they're they're iconic for that genre. Are you a are you a Howard guy or a Jesse Leach guy or both? I'm a big Jesse Leach guy, and I actually go. one of my other favorite bands, which is essentially just like a spinoff of Killswitch, is Times of Grace. So Times of Grace, that album was so good, man. I still listen to that album sometimes. It's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, dude, I actually saw Jesse Leach one time. I was um. I was working for a different outlet at the time, actually covering the Pirates. I was at PNC Park covering a Pirates game. And like when you cover a baseball game, you get there super early and then they let you into the clubhouse so you can talk to the players, talk to the manager. And then you've got like two and a half, three hours of downtime before the game actually starts. So like you can do your interviews, like you can you can transcribe your interviews, get an article out, like do whatever you need to do between the game. So usually I would like leave the stadium and get food. And I went to a little, I forget what pub it even is right there by PNC Park, like across the street, like across from North Shore Tavern. I got like a steak salad at this little sub uh, pub. And when I was walking out, dude, Jesse Leach was on the corner waiting to cross the street. And like, I recognized him right away. I'm like, no way. And I'm not the guy that like usually wants to ask for pictures or like, you know, be that weird guy. But like, we're literally standing on the corner beside each other waiting to cross the street. So I was like, dude, I'm sorry. Are you Jesse Leach? Like I just asked him. He's like, he's like, yeah, what's up, man. So apparently they were playing at stage AE that, that night. We talked a little bit. So I didn't know they were in town. Like I was so, I had to work anyway, obviously like I wouldn't have been able to go anyway, but yeah, Jesse Leach was, was sick, man. He said he loved Pittsburgh and loved the food here and always loves coming here. He was super nice. I don't know. Did you ever meet any of them? So actually um, the sec, the second time I saw them, it was Volbeat Headline. Killswitch was uh, opening up for them. And I was – me and my cousin were sitting, like, in the seats because it, it was a venue in Baltimore. It was Pier 6 where they don't have uh, an open floor. that It's all seats. 
So we're all standing up in our seats and we're like, they're starting to come out on stage and he's already singing, but we can't see him. I'm like, where, like, where the hell is he? Like, we're looking all around for him. And I, and I'm like looking at my cousin, like, I don't know where he's at. Like, this is wild. And then he's sitting right next to me. Just nice. singing, singing his lyrics. He's just sitting right next to me singing. We were like, it was sick. Dude, that is sick. Yeah, that's a really cool experience, man. I've actually, I've never seen them live. Like, I like them a lot. Like you said, I even like Times of Grace yeah. a lot. I like Kill Switch a lot, but I've never seen them live. And all my friends that have seen them say that they're just phenomenal live. Funny enough, I actually did see Howard's band. I, I forget the name when he started his own thing. They they opened up at a show I was at one time. So I have seen Howard live, but never actually Kill Switch. Yeah, Kill Switch, Kill Switch sounds, if not better, uh, in person than, than on their albums. I love um, bands like I that. Recommend that's, that's always like the mark of a real band to me or like true musicians is when when they can do it live, you know, without – there's a lot of bands that play to backing tracks and stuff like that too. That could be deceiving, but like whenever it's really them playing and it sounds just as good or better and it's got that energy, man, that's, I love that. Yeah. I honestly have a hard time listening to like live music. If it's not like, um, at least like rock or where they're like playing their own instruments. Cause like not this in country or anything, but I went to a country concert, um, recently and I was like, they're not even playing their own music. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's just, a lot of. He's kind of like a he's kind of like a stage like a like a stage act, you know. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you're basically just playing the CD over the speakers and then lip syncing over it or singing here and there over it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, yell in the city that they're in to get them all hyped up. Pitch <laughs> yeah, that's all. Dude, this that's, <laughs> I mean, my sister and my wife, for that matter, are huge country music fans. So I've been to these country shows as well, like the huge one, the Kenny Chesneys, the Taylor Swift, like all these things. That's all. All it is is like an excuse to go party. Like I don't think any of them actually care about the music itself necessarily. Yeah. Like like it's more just about going out and getting smashed and having a good time. To yeah, be honest. Is, I mean that's cool too if that's your thing. But yeah, I'm, I like going to concerts to listen to music. I can go somewhere else to party if I want to party. You know, absolutely. So who would be your top three? Like we got Kill Switch. Like who else would you throw in there? Times of Grace doesn't count uh oh man all right so like uh, like but like top three like ever yeah uh for me i'm not like ranking them based on like how good i think they're just the bands i like uh kill switch engage uh lamb of god oh man and uh It would either be between all the remains or uh trivium probably dude those are all those are all banger choices man i love it lamb of god lamb of god would be top three for me as well for sure definitely one of my favorite bands of all time they're incredible they just i would probably i would probably actually say trivium three over over all that over all that remains because recently all that remains is uh albums have been like i don't know they, they, they it seems like they're, they're trying to hit like the radio audience now so I agree. I definitely agree on that. I think Trivium did that for a second and now is like back to themselves. Like their last mm -hmm. few albums have been really strong again. And Trivium, when I was when I was in high school and like I was first starting to play guitar and stuff, Trivium was literally my favorite, probably like that. The Trivium could do no wrong to me. Like the Ascendancy album was unbelievable. And then Shogun, when I was in college, came out and that one was unbelievable. Like they just couldn't miss for a while. The um. Oh, the strife album was really good 
that came out when I was like about to graduate high school. That's crazy. And uh, so young. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, damn, that sounds really good because I I had always liked them, but I was like, they kind of like they kind of sound a little different. Like their in waves album, I didn't really like. And then um, when they came out with that after that, I was like, okay, that sound sound like they're getting back to themselves a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I don't know if you knew um, Matt Heafy is actually, I, I want to say he's like a brown belt in jujitsu. He's he's definitely yeah. super into jujitsu, at least. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't even, I didn't know that um, until I like kind of started fighting because I didn't, I didn't know what was what. But um, yeah, I didn't know that now. I didn't know he's like a brown belt already. I think it was like one of those Gracie gyms out there where he lives. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is like Gracie Orlando or something like that. But he's yeah. uh I actually interviewed him one time back when I worked for flow combat and he was amazing, man. Like he's another dude. That's just a super nice guy. Like mm-hmm. he's super invested in everything. I don't know if you've seen like his Twitch channel and stuff. Like he's, yeah. just, he's making money in so many different ways. He's such a smart businessman to emulate. Well, he does like when he goes on Twitch, he goes on and um, he like performs on there. Right. He like goes on there and like does like covers and stuff like that. Exactly. He game on there. Right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. He performs. So it's like double smart because you're just like promoting your music and promoting what you do. Or like you said, playing covers just to attract new fans and things like that. He's smart, man. Definitely somebody to watch. Like if you're interested in the business side of things, he he's really figured it out, I think, in like the modern age. Yeah, I've uh, I've seen them live, too. I'm I like I like him. I like the band. They have their new drummers really good. I like their new drummer. He is. And I loved the original drummer, obviously, like when I first you know, the first time you hear a band, I think you're always attracted to that lineup the most, right? Like you just love those guys. So it was like kind of sad when he left, but the new guy sounds phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Same for, same for Lamb of God. Like it's hard to imagine Chris Adler not being their drummer, but the new guy's just, he's really good. Honestly, like you can't tell much of a difference. Yeah. Chris Adler, he went to, um, where'd he go? Right. I thought, wasn't he doing Megadeth for a while? He may have been like I know Megadeth shuffles the deck a lot with their lineup, so he definitely may have been. But if he was, I, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, I heard it's because uh, I heard it's because uh, Dave Mustaine could be a dick. I've definitely heard that about him too, man. Anybody with long red hair is a dick, dude. These yeah, are the, <laughs> these are the rules. <laughs> but yeah, dude, that's crazy. So I, I literally had no idea you're such a big metalhead. Do you play any instrument? Like most metalheads, it seems like play. You're just into it. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it's one of my things I like. I'm jealous of when people can like shred a guitar. I wish I could do that, but uh, I've tried to learn, and I think it just takes so long, and it's you got to be so talented to do it and you have to put in so much time to get good at it. I was like frustrated that I couldn't do it right away. So I kind of just like never tried after that, but I would like to, like if I could, if I could be patient enough to be like, okay, like I could do it maybe eventually, then I think I I would, I would want to for sure. I have a nice guitar at home. It's my dad's, but I, I don't know how to play it now. Nice. I mean, I would say if you've got the you got the commitment and the resolve to train all the time like you do, you definitely could learn guitar like with the same discipline. I think like clearly you got that discipline in you. So that would go a long way. But it is something that it just takes time. It's like I tell everybody I've been playing since I was like 13, 14 years old. So literally more than half my life at this point, which is crazy to think. But everybody, it's like, what what do I need to do to play? And it's like just 
play. Like that's all yeah. I did. Like you, there's no secret. Le- it's just like jujitsu or anything else. Like there's no secret lesson you can take to just become a black belt really fast. Like get yeah. in there every day and train. Like that's it. Everybody knows the way. Yeah, I think once I adapt that mindset or um, adopt that mindset and put it to the guitar, I could definitely one day see myself becoming like overly obsessed with it. Like I am with fighting right now. Um, even to sometimes like a fault, like it's, it's like just in my head all the time. But, uh, I think if I would do that with guitar, I could, I would be happy like 20 years from now, like looking back being like, okay, I started then so I can actually like, you know, play now. So. Yeah. Just start out, learn, learn like a nice, easy little kill switch song, like the main riff of my curse or something like that. And then just get going. (laughs) Yeah. I took a a lesson in college and they were just like string, like string little pieces together. So I think of it like just stringing some combos together. I don't really like play it, but I can string some combos together, you know? I think that makes sense. And honestly, like listening to metal, it seems Mm -hmm. like a lot of people that don't understand metal, it is like a slightly more complicated, like slightly more complicated kind of music than your typical pop or whatever, you know, like it's got oh, a little yeah. more technicality. Like I'm sure you can feel the breakdowns and feel the rhythms and things like that. So you have a, you have a leg up when you do start, I think just listening to metal for so long. Yeah. And that's what annoys me when people are like, Oh, they're just screaming. It's like, dude, you go try and play that instrument that fast. Go see how you sound. Yeah. yeah. Or even just try to scream. That's one of my favorite things. Like, Oh, he's just screaming. Okay, go ahead. Do it. Like, yeah, sound sound like it. Dude, there's actually a great video of this guy, Jared Dines. He's like a YouTube uh, guitar influencer. Like he's a huge YouTube account for guitar and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he, he has like a real funny edge. And he literally just goes to like metal shows and asks people to scream into the mic, like try to do a scream vocal. It's like everybody thinks, oh, they're literally just screaming. But everybody who tries it just sounds so bad. Like it's so yeah. terrible. <laughs> yeah. Fun. But dude, obviously this isn't the Pittsburgh metal podcast. Although maybe I'm down to start. Honestly, like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm kind of down for that right now, too. I think that would be awesome. I could definitely talk about this all day. Yeah. But obviously, you talked about you training. So for people who don't know, Anthony Hogaback, two and one amateur bantamweight right now, trains at Stout, obviously under some of the best instructors in the city. You got a fight coming up. I believe it was August 27th, right? Yep. That's for Rocket Combat Sports out in Virginia, who honestly, we've heard nothing but good things about them. I've never had any personal experiences with that promotion, but I have worked with fighters and coaches who have worked with them, and they all have really good things to say about that promotion. So it sounds like they're doing great things out in Virginia, and I love that. So how'd this fight come to be, man? I know, obviously, we would love to have you fighting for us, and we tried like heck for July 9th and just could not get an opponent in time so that that was a little bit of a kick in the nuts for us but life goes on man now you got to fight in august and then hopefully we'll be looking at you for one of our october shows after that but obviously this one's first man what are you seeing in this fight um yeah i was trying to find a fight for like a really long time actually like right i fought november and then uh like the day after that i got covid and then i was that kind of kicked me in the balls for a couple of months because I it hit me hard, like really bad. And then uh, I was probably good around like January, like late January. So I wanted to find a fight. And ever since then, I've just been like pull out, you know, find someone, you know, actually, no, they can't. They say they're not training enough or whatever have you. So I've been trying for months to get a fight. And um, <clears throat> my my actually my head coach in Maryland, who's still my head coach, Rob McCraw, 
um, has a really good relationship with Rocket Combat Sports and all those Virginia promotions because we send our guys there a lot. And uh, they said they had a guy for me. I was like, okay, I'll believe it when I see it because, you know, they've told me that at least three or four times already. Mm-hmm. And then um, I said, he said, are you good to go? And I said, I'm always good on my side. And then they sent, they sent back an opponent. And then before I knew it, they had released a poster and it was a done deal. So I'm just honestly happy that I have a fight. Um, uh, Juan, Juan Willett, I don't know how to say his name all the way. I think his name's Juan Willett. Um, I've watched a couple of his fights. Um, you know, he's dangerous, likes to throw, likes to throw stuff hard, uh, right from the start. So, um, has a bunch of fights, so it's not, I'm not stepping in there against, you know, fresh meat. So I'm excited to test my skills and, um, show my improvements and, I've been, you know, I haven't been had had a fight since November, but I've been training, you know, every day, you know, every day I can. So I've I've been nice. putting the work in. I think it's also important to note with Juan that he has a pretty sick Batman tattoo here on his chest, so he gets some yeah. bonus points for that. <laughs> I, I uh, tattoos are expensive, and I really want a bunch of them, so I'm actually uh, pretty jealous of his tattoos. He has some nice tattoos. Yeah, dude, expensive. They hurt. They like, yeah, you would have to take a couple of days off training while it heals. Obviously, you don't want to smear blood all over the mats and stuff. So, yeah, yeah there's a lot that goes into it. But, uh, yeah, dude, I mean, I think it's going to be an awesome fight. Like you said, I, I looked up Juan just a little bit before um, we started talking, obviously. So I had an idea of what he was. He has an interesting record to me. I didn't dig into his opponents too much, but I mean, fighting for B2 and Rocket Combat Sports before, like, I'm sure he's had pretty pretty quality opponents. It's it, like he fights for reputable promotions, which is always a good thing, but has a couple submission wins, a couple submission losses. Like, I don't really know what that says about his ground game exactly, but what, like, what have you seen from him? What are you and your team kind of preparing for in August? Um, I... I know that he likes to um, he likes to try and take your back real quick, so I just got to be really cognizant of that. But I honestly feel like my jiu-jitsu is better than his, so if he wants to start playing that jiu-jitsu game with me, I'm cool with that too. Um, but I really want to show off my striking in this fight because that's I've been putting in so much time striking um, because I feel like in all of my fights I haven't been able to really show my skill striking because whether it be um, – you know, just the pressure of it actually being fight night or um, once I get in there, I'm, I like see something that I, you know, can exploit or feel like I'm better at, which has been the grappling in all of my fights, except for my second one, maybe. Uh, I just kind of, I've been going like the easiest route of, of, of uh, you know, resistance or whatever that saying is. And then uh, I, I just want to, I just want to really show my strike in this fight. I feel like I've been coming to win a competition in my last three fights, and I, I want to come to fight this fight. So that's my nice. Goal. Well, obviously that's exciting for anybody planning on watching the fight. That's you know that sounds like the makings of a really good scrap. How do you think you do that exactly? Because like you said, maybe in your past fights you kind of took the path of least resistance kind of deal. Like how do you prepare yourself for a fight versus a competition? Like what does that look like? Is that something you consciously? focus on in training or is that just kind of a mindset that you need to warm yourself up to what does that look like for you um well like when i'm sparring and stuff with mma just boxing whatever whatever kind of striking sparring i'm doing i move a lot and when i because i move a lot i typically don't get hit that cleanly a lot 
So I think when I'm in fight, when I'm, when I get in a fight and I, I get hit, I'm like, Oh shit, time to grapple kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I've just been working really, you know, just stand in the pocket um, and just be okay with getting hit. Like every time I get touched, it's not going to be, you know, my lights out. Um, I have a chin. I, I haven't been knocked out or anything like that in training or anything. So I feel like I'm pretty, you know, I, I have a lot of hits to take. So um, just being okay with being in the pocket, kind of being in the fire, I think is going to help a lot. Yeah. That's a crazy thing. I think to practice, right? Because like you said, you don't want to, get knocked out in practice. You have to limit the amount of shots you can take in practice, but at the same time, you need to take shots to feel them and to know that you'll react to them. Like the, the classic Mike Tyson, like everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? Like that can change right. every everything. So I think it's interesting. Like what does that look like? And not asking you to, you know, share secret stout files or anything, but like how do you guys train that? How do you monitor training to where you're taking some shots, but it's also a safe training environment to do so? Um it's honestly been more of just, uh, you know, like talking to your talking to your training partners, being like, look, we're not trying to knock each other out here. We're trying to spar smart. You know, we're going to take damage. So take it in, take it in the cage when it matters. Let's not let's not be cracking each other while we're sparring. And I think when, once you once you know that. It's like, OK, now we can start to actually like touch each other. We're like still, we're still working hard. We're still like, we're still throwing our hands quick and our feet or whatever, you know, we're, you still, you still know you got popped, but I think knowing that, and then you can constantly drill that in your head. So every time you see something, you're not like, Oh shit. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's to me how I've kind of done it. Um, and style's the same way. I mean, like, I don't know if you've ever stuck around for MMA practices there, but you're like, all right, well, you know, we have little gloves on, so we're not like, you know, we're not we're not stinging them in there. So I think it's just, you know, sparring smart, drilling, drilling smart. And my gym at ba- my gym in Maryland Powerhouse is the same way. You know, we don't go in there, you know, no one's no it's not gonna be on anyone's record at the end of the night. So there's no point in taking chins in the gym. Exactly. And you mentioned, you know, Maryland Powerhouse a few times. It was kind of funny. I had somebody reach out to me once, Jeff Hartman. He runs behind the steel curtain, huge Steelers reporter and fanatic. And I've worked with him. He's a great guy. And one time he just reached out to me out of the blue when he saw I was working for 247 Fighting Championships and was like, hey, do you know Anthony Hogeback? And I was like, yeah, but why? Like, this is so random that you're asking me about him. And apparently he coached you in lacrosse, right? Was that the connection? Yeah, he so he was my middle school gym teacher. I played baseball all growing up and then he was like hey you should play lacrosse um realized i wasn't gonna like even probably make the team in high school for baseball so i was like okay i'll go play lacrosse for you and just got obsessed with the cross and uh he was like he was a very good coach for me because uh it was something i didn't know yet like i had to learn the game from him kind of so um <clears throat> yeah he's i've always, he's a good guy i like him a lot um taught me a lot was honestly a pretty important part of uh like my growing up because if i hadn't started playing across with him and stuff like that i probably wouldn't have gone to college up here because i got to college on a lacrosse like a lacrosse uh you know scouting trip and scholarship and all that stuff so um yeah my life would be a lot different probably if i didn't play lacrosse for him Dude, that's nuts. I didn't I didn't realize you went to college for lacrosse. That's that's pretty sweet. How did your yeah. college career 
how did that go? Did, did you get to finish it out? Yeah, I played all four years, started all four years. I hold like a bunch of the assist records for St. Vincent College. So nice. I played there a while. I liked it. I met some of my best friends there that are still my best friends to this day. Obviously, like a pretty close knit mm-hmm. group of guys on a team like that. So yeah, I wouldn't take it back for the world, even though sometimes across did annoy me and all of our teammates because of course. Yeah, because of the the coaching hierarchy and so but yeah, it was a good time. That's sick, man. Right now, obviously, St. Vincent's is buzzing and getting a lot of attention with the Steelers there for training camp. Yeah. Did ha, did you ever go to that? I, I assume you're not a Steelers fan, being from Maryland, but I'm not sick. a Steelers fan. I'm actually a season. My family is a season ticket Raven Raven season ticket holder, so definitely not yeah. a Steelers fan. Yeah, I suddenly got a lot of technical issues and got to stop this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Baltimore sports through and through. Dang. Um, Dang. But uh, yeah, I I never I never really went to the training camps there just because I had to be back there in August anyway to go back to school. So I wasn't gonna go back a couple weeks early just to watch the Steelers play. You know, makes sense. That definitely yeah. makes sense. It's a pretty crazy experience, I'll say. Like when I was on the media side and I would I would cover training camp there. Like just being able to get thousands of fans somewhere just to watch practice is kind of it's crazy to me like it's, it's hard to believe like imagine if if you showed up to stout one day to train and there were just thousands of people there to watch you train like it's so yeah. weird when you think yeah. about it it is really weird it's a cool concept though it brought a lot of attention to the school like good attention you know and uh mm-hmm. i know the steelers help out with like some funds there and stuff and you know help build new buildings and I'm, our, our lacrosse field was brand new um because of them they helped out in umpc so um you know, I'm not like a necessarily like a crazy fan of the Steelers because just like from the sports aspect of it, but I know they're a good organization. And they help the school out. So um, that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to hear, man. So for your fighting career specifically, like we said, obviously you've got August 27th coming up and then we've got two shows in October that obviously we want you to be a part of if everything works out. Um, where do you want to go with this thing, man? Because like you said, lacrosse in college, you know, it sounds like you have backup options if you need them or if you wanted them. But are you looking at this as a long-term career? Like, where are you at right now with your fighting career? Um, you know, I really want it. I really want it to be. It's like, it's really what I want right now. It's my it's my focus. But, um, you know, it's like fighting is a little different and it's, and it's, uh, and it's like path because – you you obviously don't make a lot of money uh up until like you're in the ufc and even when you're in the ufc like you're still kind of struggling so um you know there might come a point in time where i'm like you know this isn't just isn't like financially like feasible anymore but i think um i'll always be involved like with the sport of fighting and actively fighting until i'm probably like you know until like I'm until I realize like I just can't do it anymore because it's mm-hmm. not it's not uh but I mean for right now I'm not even really thinking about that I just want to I just want to do it um and put everything I can into it for the longest amount of time um and honestly my goal my goal this year was to to start my pro career so hopefully you know if everything goes well on the 27th I'll be able to uh apply for my pro license in Pennsylvania and get on one of your guys' shows in October. So that's my plan. Um, so, cause one, cause I mean, it's hard, it's hard to talk about the trajectory of my career when you're still an amateur, like you're not even a pro yet. So it's like, you know, we got to go pro first before we can even start thinking about like, 
how this could go long term. But mm-hmm. in my mind, I see it. I see that it can go that way if everything if everything falls the right way. So um, it's definitely a goal that I want, but we just got to figure out how you know realistic it can be. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it's a it's an interesting crossroads for so many fighters. Like we just had Ethan Goss <laughs> on the podcast last week, and he had ten, maybe even eleven amateur fights before he went pro, and then. There's guys obviously like like you or like a Taylor Cahill or Gavin Teasdale that want to go pro after, you know, even just one or two fights. And like you said, in Pennsylvania, I think you need five amateur. I want to say you need five amateur fights to be considered, but it could be four. And it could be a case-by-case basis as well, you know. I know a guy like Bo Nickel, obviously he didn't do it in Pennsylvania, but he came out and like basically turned pro right away. With a, with a background like that, maybe – they're a little more lenient with licensing you. Like I'm honestly not sure what all goes into it from that side of things, but it's always interesting to me to see guys, how they view the amateur career versus a pro career. Like you've got the, the Ethan Goss, the comma worthy style where you have a billion amateur fights and then go pro when you feel that you're way ready. And then somebody like you who feels like you're pretty seasoned and you're ready to get to a pro level and, and test yourself and see where things can go. So is that a discuss, is that a discussion you have with your coaches or how do you look at that kind of, difference well my thinking of it all is like it is a case-by-case basis in the sense of like you have to figure out where you want to be and like how old you are because i don't want to be getting into the ufc when i'm like in my in my mid-30s because how much time do you really have you know um and the way i look at amateur fights is like especially with the pro rules ones of Virginia, it's like, okay, well, I'm essentially fighting a professional fight right now. I'm just not getting paid. The rounds are a little shorter and it doesn't go on my pro record. So it's like, what's the, what's the point of racking up all these amateur fights except for the experience. But in my opinion, if you're, if you're training hard enough in the gym, you know, you're getting a lot of that experience in the gym and then you're taking damage in amateur fights that once you turn pro, it's like you're reset to zero and zero. So that's my kind of thinking on it. And I'm already 25, so I want to get going. And um, but I mean, if I was a little younger, I I, mean, I wouldn't have any rush to be, you know, start starting my pro career. I would probably rack up amateur fights, you know, as much as I could if I was a little younger and I started a little younger, like in my early 20s or whatever. But yeah, in my in my head, I gotta get going. So yeah, and that's totally fair. I think it, it's really interesting yeah. to see for a lot of people. And then you've got like a like a Sid Ross situation where she's six and four, I want to say something like that. Like she's at that cusp right now where she should be turning pro and she's still only 22, 23 years old. So like if you start, yeah, and I mean, honestly, you start that's your a 18, lot of yeah. amateur fights. Like that's yeah, a lot of a amateur If you're, if you're in the UFC, I mean, shit, there was guys in the contender series last night at five and O professional fights. And so I'm thinking to myself, like they've had less fights than her maybe. So you know what I mean? Like Very make true. it count. Make them, you know, that you already want to win so bad. You already like you're doing everything in your willpower not to lose. It's not like just because it's professional, it's like, oh, it means a little more now. It's just Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I hate to keep using him as a as the example because he's probably the exception to the rule, but then like a Bo Nickel is about to be on the contender series coming up and he's one and oh. Like he's had one yeah. pro fight and there's a chance he'll be in the UFC or at least they want him on that, you know, developmental style deal to lock him in because he is going to be such a talent but it's crazy like even on that last the last ufc card i want to say not the pay-per-view but the one before that there was a guy whose name was literally blood diamond and i think he was three and one 
Like, yeah. it's, it's crazy to see these guys with such little experience at the highest level already. So I think there's like something to it. The way you're saying it is like the game's changing. Like the need for that many fights isn't necessarily there anymore. Like these guys, these promotions clearly are looking at other things for their fighters. And with the level of training and the level of resources out there that are available, like fighters are literally just learning faster. I mean, you could get, you could get done training whatever technique you drill and then go home and watch the best instructors in the world, break it down for you farther on YouTube. Like you can learn outside of the gym, outside of the dojo, like never before. Yeah. And like, I feel like just the progression of the sport, there's just better athletes in the sport now. And um, like, they're not necessarily like just these tough dudes who want to, who want to fight. They're these athletes that want to fight and they're very good athletes. So like, you know, techniques are progressing like a lot faster than they used to. So you, you might not need to be, you know, starting your starting just your amateur career and then like not get in the UFC until you're like 10 years down the road because guys just are learning faster. And there's a lot more promotions. You can fight a lot more often now. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, that's my that's my thinking on it. And I just want to I just want to like get going, you know, and I think a lot of the, like these guys that don't have a lot of fights you know, you got to work hard outside of you just training and stuff. You got to, you got to get your name out there. You know, like I've done a, I think I've done a really good job of getting my Instagram, uh, you know, my numbers up. I do, I, I do YouTube, uh, vlogs. I, I try to stream on there just to get my name out there, you know, and I'm, you know, when I know I have a fight, I'm hitting people up for, you know, podcast interviews, whatever. I want to get my name out there. So you got to put in that kind of time too, because that goes a long way. I mean, look at Sean O'Malley. He just got Peter Young. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, it, it, that can't be based off of like his ranking, obviously, because he's ranked like 13, getting a, getting a one fight, but they know that he is such a, he draws so much like attention and eyeballs and viewers. They have to, they have to get him going. So I think, you know, we put the work in on both sides. It really shows. And those, those are where you get your guys that, you know, blow roofs off the plays and sell, sell all the tickets. So. It's super true, man. People always want to be like clowning on O'Malley and guys like O'Malley who are clearly getting what appears to be preferential treatment. But the yeah. reality, it's it not preferential. Sense. Yeah, it's not preferential treatment. Like I'll say yeah. it from from our end, like even as a smaller pro regional promotion, like there are guys who sell more tickets, who generate more buzz. And obviously for your business's sake, those people need to be out there. Like that's just how it works. It's a business like yeah. anything else. Like where it doesn't mean that we think less of the fighters who don't sell anything and things like that, but like there's a reality to it that does come down to business. Like it just, it, it's a business, even at the UFC level, like they know yeah. what they're doing. At the end of the day, you got to pay, you know, you got to pay your insurance. You got to pay your, uh, you know, photographers the video people all the employees like you don't do that unless you make money and these guys that are making them more money you know they're gonna they're gonna push them and people get jealous of it and they're like oh what the hell like why is that not me but you can't really do that if you're not you know if you're not kind of copying his game or you know trying to do the same thing in a different you know maybe not the exact same thing but you know just right. get your name out there promote yourself yeah i mean he he, a guy like him has kind of the perfect storm of things where his fighting style is exciting. He has a whole look about him. He's obviously very engaging on social media and things like 
that's kind of what it takes though like if you want to skyrocket into a peter yon fight like that's kind of what they're looking for so you can't hate the guy for that i don't think no and at the end of the day he's making more money than probably most of the whole bantamweight division he's you know he's not even the champion yet yeah exactly I like this dude. A little YouTube short from you, wearing wearing a nice shirt. I might add a little two yeah, four seven you. shirt there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, this is cool. I just checked out your channel. I'm going to subscribe thank right you now. Actually, yeah, that's cool stuff, man. So for people who are interested, like Anthony has little training vlogs, like travel vlogs, cornering fighters. It it looks like a really cool resource for an upcoming fighter. Like it's clear that you are getting yourself out there. I think this short it said had like 1.2 thousand views too. So good stuff. Yeah, man. it's up there. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm just Love working that. on it, just making, you know, like I said, or like you're talking about other stuff, it doesn't happen overnight. You just got to keep keep plugging away at it, especially YouTube. Keep plugging away, man, because like you said, like everybody is doing YouTube now. It seems like the the landscape is more cluttered than it's ever been, so that's just how yeah. it's going to be. But that's cool, man. That's cool that you're doing it. I'm excited for you. I'm excited to see where your career goes. Obviously, we'll be paying attention to that fight later this month and then we'll be talking after that man but i appreciate the time jumping on talking some metal talking some fights that was fun dude yeah and definitely uh definitely hit me up if you're trying to get a metal podcast going i'll hop in that all day <laughs> co-host let's go yeah let's do yeah. that man hell yeah <laughs> all right man you go enjoy the rest of your day like i said we'll be following up after your fight good luck in that and uh we'll be catching up thanks appreciate it see you soon for sure brother later later